This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. This show is sponsored by NatureBox. NatureBox ships great-tasting, healthy snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine and start snacking smarter with healthy, delicious treats like dark cocoa almonds. Support this podcast by ordering a free NatureBox sampler box at naturebox.com slash allison. That's right, free NatureBox snacks are found at naturebox.com slash allison. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm here with Mo Mandel. Hello. How you doing? Well, I just learned that your last name's actually Mandelbaum. <laughs> How did you learn that? Um you did some, it was on I just did some quick research. You really are a journalist. Well, it was on TVGuide.com. It was on your bio on TVGuide.com. Did you <laughs> not know really? that? Yeah. No, I did not know Here's that. some other things I know about you. I didn't know I had a bio. I, I didn't know there well, I guess I assumed there was a TVGuide.com, but it's not something I visit a lot. Mohan Mandelbaum. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? You are, yeah. Your father thought your name was Jewish, but turns out it was Hindu. That's on there? Yeah. As well as your birthplace, Boonville, California. Uh, your birthday, April 6th, 1981. Is that correct? Aries? No, it's it's 87. They got that wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm they very, always, they I'm always very, do that. I'm very young. Right. It's amazing. Wait a minute. I, okay, keep going. This is blowing my mind. I can't believe they knew that my dad thought it was Hindu and it was Hebrew. How the fuck did they know that? You studied creative writing at UC Santa Barbara. I did. Uh, let's see. You moved to London for six months after college. Yeah. Placed third in the prestigious San Francisco International Comedy Competition in 2006. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Still claiming that, 2006. Really? Uh, you know, it's so funny. I won an award in uh, 2008, and that's still in my Twitter bio. So, Well, uh, in my defense, I did not write this TV Guide bio, although— it, In my the, defense, I uh, did write my Twitter bio. There you go. Okay. But this is funny because last year I did a gig in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and for some reason on the poster for the gig, it said— Took third in the San. That was all they mentioned was third place. They must have visited this your bio. Yeah, but on I was TV like, if you're com. gonna use that, I mean, it's 2006. Like at least lie and say you got second, right? You know like you I mean? do with your birthday. Yeah, exactly. One Comedy Central's open mic fight in 2007. Yeah, what was that? So um, that was kind of how my career really got going. Uh, it was like a competition that Comedy Central did. That was open to anyone in the country who had not been on Comedy Central. And it was, uh, you could send in a tape. And they had nine shows. They picked 72 people around the country to be in this competition. And they picked, uh, they had nine shows around the country. Um, they came to all of them. And they and I won mine in San Francisco. And we all came down here to L.A. Anyway, long story short, I ended up winning. And it gave, gave me like 10 grand, a chance to be on Comedy Central. And that was, I was still bartending in San Francisco. Uh, and then I got that $10,000. I was like, oh, shit. Well, now I guess I can move to L.A. And that was uh, how long did that keep you going? Not very long, actually. I was, I was like right. Uh, I remember like really sitting in my apartment. I was living in a, a room that had a laundry machine in it for the inti- for all five people living in the thing, and they were like, well, "You can rent our laundry room, but we're going to use it whenever we want to use it." 
And I was like, yeah, but they'll be, I mean, whatever, be fine. No, they didn't give a fuck. How like if small someone had a, was It was small. Room. It was very small. Yeah. I had an air mattress. It was just horrible. Oh, this is in San Francisco. No, this is here. Oh, here. Yeah, because when I was in San Francisco, I, uh, like I said, I was bartending. It's funny. I actually got the call from Comedy Central as I was bartending that I had won this competition. I like had to take the call in the bathroom. I checked my message <laughs> like, hi, it's, not, yeah, it's from Comedy Central. You won no mic. But it was a big deal for me. And uh, But then I came down here real quickly. I was like, oh, shit, so I can't get a job. And I was almost out of money. And then luckily Comedy Central cast me in the show they had called. I'm sure you're reading all this Well, that's bio. the next one. Reality Bites Back. There it is, yeah. Um, and do you know Tom Johnson? Mm, he yeah. had something to do with that show. I'm pretty sure. If not, what an what an awkward way that I just took this uh, interview. No, I'm pretty I mean, sure he, he probably did. It's he funny. worked on the Daily Show. Um, he's a writer, I know. But anyway, I I knew of it because I knew him, and then I remember watching it, and because it was an international success. That's that's the reason as well. <laughs> Amy Schumer was on it. It was a great ca- Michael I mean, Ian Black. It yeah. should have been bigger than it was. <laughs> well, it wasn't a good show, but it had a lot of good people on it. Yeah. So what it was was a series. Tell me if I'm describing it correctly. It was a, a series of competitions that you would see on competition reality shows, but turned on their head. But so turned on their head. So it was like you guys had to gain weight. Yeah, I gained 13 pounds in in one 30 hour period. Wow, how'd you do it? Well. Uh, it was interesting because Theo Vaughn was on it Theo too, Vaughn, right? Theo Vaughn, one of my good friends now. Burt Kreischer. Oh, you're right. Yes. Actually, Donnell Rollins. It was like a really fucking good cast. Um, Burt tells stories about that a lot on his podcast. About Reality Bites Back? Uh-huh. I was on- He with, talks about you all the time. You were just on one of the most recent episodes. Yeah. It was really good. But he talks about that show even without you all the time. Is Do, it Burt Kreischer that talks about how pickle juice that, is the I was key? about, I was about yep. to tell you. That's, Bert, That's okay. exactly because Three yeah. Ball Productions did the show, and they're the ones who did The Biggest Loser. And it was so interesting. They said the way people lose the most weight on that show is they gain a lot of weight right before the weigh-in, and they gain water weight by drinking pickle juice. Oh, so the night before- I can't believe anything now. Yeah. Yeah, but so Bert, you know those giant Fiji bottles, those like square ones? Yeah. Bert had drank so much uh, pickle juice that his body's retained so much water that after we did the weigh-in, he went behind the one of the production mats and pissed in one of those bottles so much that he filled an entire gigantic Fiji bottle. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because everybody was just trying to like, you were like, you had to go to the bathroom in every way so badly, but you had to save all that weight. You know what I mean? It was, I mean, it was fucking retarded. But so it, what did you do? So I drank a ton of pickle juice. I remember, uh, it was funny because I had a girlfriend still in San Francisco and she came down to visit me that night and I was like, look, I don't know what to tell you, but like, this is gonna be like the grossest night ever. I ate like a triple Whopper. I woke up and ate like a giant roast beef sandwich. I was eating pizza. I was just drank like a 12, or I was just eating and drinking as much food as possible. Well, it's and, interesting because is, because overnight you can't really, it's just the mass you put in plus the water retention, right? Because you can't really like convert stuff to fat overnight. Well, you don't have to look like you, well, this is actually the funny, because you're right. When I took off my shirt and the thing, I looked like totally jacked somehow. <laughs> and everyone was like, well, this guy doesn't look like, you know, but b- somehow, I don't know what it was, but. Maybe because you were retaining so much fluid. Maybe it yeah, made something you I like swelled your muscle. But yeah, yeah it, it, so yeah, you're right. It doesn't, you don't have to look that. You literally have to have weight in your system, which is disgusting. If you think <laughs> about that, I literally had like 13 pounds of just crammed That's in crazy. my colon of just gross. Ugh, it was awful. So, but it was, it was that, that one I thought was one of the funnier ones. Cause I mean, it's just funny to see people eating until they like, a few people threw up, you know? Right. What was, were, who ended up winning? Amy Schumer. No. Oh no, she no. and Theo She had won in terms right? of the competition of our careers. Uh, <laughs> Theo Vaughn won the competition. Yeah. But Schumer is a sweetheart, man. Like she, uh, you know, she's obviously just 
destroying this business right now. And she was nice enough to tweet about my uh, my little True TV show that I got. And like, so we've kind of, I think we were all kind of, me, Theo, and Amy were the the ones who were sort of starting out the most at that point. We were definitely the youngest. And so I think there was like a little bond there, you know. And and we all met each other's moms the first week, too, because they had this really weird thing where you had to go into a dark room. This is before we even really knew what we had signed up for. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like I said, I was out of money. So, so when I got offered this, it was, was seventy five hundred dollars an episode. And wow. as long as you lasted, because you, you really did get kicked off. If you lasted to the next episode, you got another seventy five hundred dollars. Now, is that standard for reality shows? No, I think it's a lot more than you usually get from what I understand if you're a contestant. I don't think you get anything really. Right. So, but we, since we were comedians and, and they didn't really pitch it to us like we were contestants, it was more like you guys are going to spoof reality shows. And then we got there and they're like, oh, we're kind of like, I guess on a reality show, <laughs> but I need the money so bad. So the first week me and Theo started talking and we were both could clearly, we were like the two poorest people there. And we were like, look, dude, if you have ever like an immunity or one of those fucking crazy things, just vote for me and, and then I'll vote for you. So the first week, I'm sure I would have got kicked off, but Theo voted for me, and then I voted for him, and then we kind of like kept his back. We had an alliance. We had an alliance. It was like that kind of crazy, yeah, <laughs> Did reality. Did people discover it, and were they upset? No, and this is the thing. It was not a reality. If you watch it, there's zero reality show element. It's just like some it's stupid competition. And then comedians, co- yeah, in front yeah. of the camera, and we're all emotionally walled up individuals, so no one said one real emotional thing. It was just like, so Amy, how was it? That, that, that punchline. Bo, how was it? That, that punchline. And so, I mean, that's probably wasn't very compelling television because people like reality shit when people are actually losing their minds. Right. It's so interesting that that's what we watch for. Yeah, it's like NASCAR or something. What were the other competitions? Do you remember? Yeah, oh yeah, I remember them. The, the, this is actually really funny. One of them, the one that I got kicked off on, I got kicked off on the, the seventh episode, but then I got to come back for the eighth, so I ended up making the full 60 or whatever you could have made on that. Thank God, because it fucking kept me afloat uh, for a long time. But there was one called The Amazing Disgrace, <laughs> and it was like The Amazing Race, where we're all in LA, and, these, and they gave us a car with like something ridiculous on the side, like cigarettes for virgins or something stupid like that. <laughs> And then we would get clues, but without them telling us this, which we found out later, all the clues were wrong. So we would just be driving around, and, I, and you got to bring a family member with you. So I brought my brother down, who's like this really smart lawyer, and he just came, he was so nervous being on TV, and I was yelling at him because I wanted to stay on the show and all this. <laughs> he just came off like such an idiot, and Michael Ian Black is just making fun of the show, which is pretty funny. So a few months after that, well, after it aired, my brother came down to visit me in LA, and it was funny because I guess somehow being together, like I never would get recognized. I almost never get recognized now, but I certainly didn't at that point. Somehow like we got recognized like twice. Because we were walking around together and a few people who were like, oh, it's those fucking guys. <laughs> so I told my brother, I'm like, this is not normal. Like, this will never happen to you again when I'm not around and vice versa. And I don't think it was probably right for the most part. That's interesting. So you don't get recognized very often. Sometimes I do. When I was on Chelsea lately a lot, I got recognized quite often. Uh, a lot of times by gay male stewardess, stewards on airplanes. Mm-hmm. That would be like my number one way to That's get recognized. That's your target demo. A lot of gay dudes knew me from Chelsea. And then, like I said, I think the last time I was on Adam's show. And then... Uh, and then I would get dragons by, by girls. Not, it doesn't have, it, it always blows my mind how little being on TV really affects. I've been on TV, I think, a hundred times mm-hmm. on national television shows. And I, it's just, it's so not what I thought it meant when I got into it. What did you think it meant? I thought you do a Comedy Central half hour and a few late night TV appearances and you're like, rich. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you used to think that? A little uh, bit? At least in terms of money? Yeah, probably I did think that. I think that, yeah, well, 
I don't, I'm trying to think if I thought that or if I'm aware that people think that. I mean, people think that if you are on TV at all, you have it made. Well, let me give you an example. Not realizing that so, so many people you see are broke on TV. Yeah, like, uh, okay, for example, I, I did Chelsea Handler's show over 40 times, and I remember a friend of mine who's not in the business asked me, how much money do you get every time you're on there? Now, the real answer is $400. Mm-hmm. What I told him, I was like, oh, you know, like 10 grand per episode. And he's like, oh, that's actually pretty good. And I was like... <laughs> Jesus. Like, so this guy thinks I've made like $400,000. Yeah. Fucking talking about Miley Cyrus's haircut. But I mean, people just assume it's on TV, you know, people must watch it. But it was funny because, you know, the show Barmageddon, like on True TV, which is actually, um, I, I didn't know this when I was on Adam's show with you, but it, it is premiered as by far the highest rated new series they have oh, this congratulations. season. Yeah. That's so we're awesome. hoping it sticks, you know, hoping it stays. But it's funny because it's on, you know, True TV. It's a smaller network that I looked at the actual numbers and I realized the week that it came out, I did, like, within the first, like, 10 days of the first episode, I did Conan. I did Ad- Adam's show with you. I did uh, Bob and Tom, which is a huge radio show in the Midwest. So many more people heard me talk about that show that actually saw what was the highest rated news show they had in the season. I mean, TV, no, it's such a small well, amount of people actually I, pay attention to it. That's something that I've been wondering lately because, you know, my podcast has a, uh, um, um, fortunate to have a really big listenership and of course Adam's show has a you know humongous listenership and I was thinking am I or are we reaching more people this way than would be watching a show on TV and I think it depends I think for the most part but like yes. I used to go on Red Eye yeah do you know have you done Red Eye do I haven't show? done that but I've always wanted to do that yeah it's a fun show I used to go on that all the time and like in a given night I think more people are I don't know, but my hunch is more people are downloading the Adam Kroll show than are <laughs> tuning into that show. Definitely. I don't know. But then if you're like on a network show, Well, it's I'll tell you, I mean, I mean, it, again, it always depends. I was on a network, I was one of the stars of a network sitcom on NBC. What was it? It only lasted four episodes. It was called, uh, it was called uh, Free Agents. It was mm-hmm. me, Hank Azaria, Catherine Hahn, Al Magical, all these people. But even that, I mean, you know, it was on for like the... Four episodes aired in a in a month, and I remember right at the end of that month, before I knew it was canceled, I did like some gig in Denver, and I remember I was in front of like four hundred people, and I said, "Has anyone heard of this show?" Not one person had even. Were heard they of doing it. promotion for it? I mean, I, no, not a lot, but it was on NBC. You know, right. when you start out as a as a young comedian, you think, "Well, that'll," but not one person had heard of it. Interesting. I mean, so I think. Uh, Are you disappointed? Well, I mean, at the time, it was been a long time now. But I mean, it, it just always baffles me. Everything that I, you know, I think it's a very being on television and and, uh, and entertainment in a certain way. I mean, obviously, you know, I got a glimpse of uh, Adam's car when I was here. I mean, he's, he's a pretty sweet little ride. But uh, at a certain point, this it's very blue collar. It's like you get up, you do your thing, mm. you know, you got to fucking be writing on your screenplay to hopefully sell that so you can make like 80 grand after your commissions and shit so you can stay above water. It's very like, it's a very like in the trenches kind of, and I like it. I feel fortunate to be able to be a, to, to live like that, but it's not the, um, I only know a few people like Schumer or that who have really cracked it where it's like, oh, you'll never have to worry about money again. Most people is like, oh, you, you made a million dollars over the course of three year round of the show and you could probably be out of work for the next six years. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit happens all the time. Are you more concerned with reaching a level of, of, level of success financially or a su- level of success uh, in terms of achievement and recognition? And achievement stuff? and recognition for sure. Like I saw, I was watching Bill Burr's new special on Netflix last night and I was like, fuck, this guy I think is 13 years older than me. And I was looking at his IMDb, and I was like, "Where was he, where was he at when he was at my age?" And I was like, "All right, he had been on a failed sitcom." He, I was like, "All right, 
Wow. All right, I got to just put my nose to the grind because I was watching it like, God, this is so amazing. Like, I do that thing with age too. Yeah, you, 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 it's hard not to in this, yeah. you know? I think this is a very age-conscious town in a way where um, it makes you kind of think that. But, when you, but you know, a guy like Bill Burr, who I have like so much respect for and I watch like his new special, I'm like, God, it's like, it, it looks like I don't even do the same art form that he does. Like, that's how good I think it is mm-hmm. sometimes. It's like, all right, well then, it, it makes me stressed out because I feel like I have so far to go, but then also like, all right, inspired where you're like, you want to, you want to get there. Obviously. To be right. fair, that special is a monster. It's a it's, monster. It's out of control. Good. Yeah, and he, you know, I watched his is original. It as good as Chelsea Peretti's special? It's uh, that's hard to say because Chelsea Peretti's special is so unique, but it's it's Bill Burr. I don't think it's hard to say at all. I think it's better. Yeah, okay. I didn't want to shit on Peretti. <laughs> I'm not shitting on Peretti at all. Special. I'm I by no means shitting on Chelsea Peretti. I think she's a phenomenally talented comedian. Have but... you seen her Netflix special? I've seen no, enough to know that Bill yeah. Burr's oh, okay. I love Chelsea. Chelsea's great. I did Montreal with her. We were a new phase in 08. I just think that when you talk about the greatest comedians alive right now, you're talking about... That was the best special of 2014. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful. Maybe of everything past 2010. It's fucking out of control. All right, it's, I'll it's watch really it. It's really good. Kalen, you seem really quiet. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's amazing. I've watched it twice already. <laughs> that bit he does where he talks about letting go of his old, the religion that it was indoctrinated in him as a kid. And he's like, and he just starts, he, he's saying that he's like, uh, and you will believe in this and that and that. And he's, he's just saying it and he just slowly pulls the mic away from himself. And it's just like. But the audience right now was like, where'd he go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good point. That kind of shit doesn't work on uh, uh, audio Podcast. mediums. No, but, but it came alive for me. And through me, the listeners will know what you were doing. <laughs> mm, and that's the story of Hanukkah. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, um, wanting to get to a place of achievement. And I always think that inside all of us, we have a barometer of how talented we think we really are. If we really think about it, like how talented, you know, where should I be able to say? It's like, like, you know, those machines that you would squeeze at restaurants when you're a kid and it's like cold fish or hot stuff. Uh, maybe you've never seen these. Not important. Uh, anyway. Restaurants are like county fairs. I feel I, like that's like a thing where they'd be like, you're the love, the love tester yes, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. I, for, I remember them being at rest, like kitschy restaurants. But anyway, <laughs> when you were saying inside, we all have a barometer of how talented we think we are. Yeah. If my, mine just like shot all the way to the top and it like sirens went off, like, roo, roo, that's how much I'm into myself. That's how, that's how talented you think you are. I think well, so. that's great. I mean, I think we all have to be a, a, a slightly you know, confident ourselves to do this. <laughs> Were you about to say delusional? I was about to say delusional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but I was about to say that. But then I realized, like, but I don't but I don't know what that means delusion-wise. Right. Like, I don't know if you say how talented you think you are. I mean, it's only delusional if you think I could also be a great basketball player. I don't know. Maybe you were. I haven't looked you up on TV.com no, yet. No, I, I don't even think I'm on TVGuide.com. No, but the reason I shared that is because I feel silly about the fact that in that inside, I just, like, the mercury just burst in my own internal Okay, but, but let me ask you what, but you... Uh, but I, but but I feel frustrated that I feel like oh, this is totally disgusting to admit this, but I'm going to. It's like I feel like it's not recognized. Though. No, you guys don't realize what I. I think all sure. of us in this industry have that. You have to have that. Well, I think what I mean is like you have to think you, Allison Rosen, can be a monster celebrity star to keep doing what you're doing. What I mean is you start to know. Okay. I think I can be very, very funny, Mo Mandel, and I think if I stick with this, you know, I could have people like that fucking Mo Mandel guy, he is really fucking funny. Could I ever be funny in that way Will Ferrell is funny in a scene? Never. Never in a million years can I do that. I know that. Do I think I can write an awesome sitcom, develop for myself, and it could be like something where people 
equate it to always sunny in the same breath? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm delusional and believing in myself enough to think that. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you, you have your internal you know, sense of, yes, like, the, yeah, right, my, right. I don't think I'm a triple threat or something. It's like I, I feel like in certain ways I am so strong. But then there's other f- things that I, I know where I really am. And once so. you know that, at least for myself, I feel like I don't ever want to look back on my life and on my career and think because I let something wreck my confidence or I let some fucking person hurt hurt my belief in myself or I, or I hurt my own belief in myself or I didn't work hard enough. I never want to think that I didn't get as far as I could get. Now, when I see Bill Burr's special, it's daunting. But then, because this is the kind of neurotic guy I am, I go back and I watch his Comedy Central half hour and I think mine's better. And that is going back to when he was uh, probably, I don't know, maybe a second was a lot better. But it's like people, it's, it's inspiring with comedy because the progression is you can track it. Mm-hmm. You listen to Chris Rock's first CD, it's not that good. There's a couple great jokes, and there's a lot of, all right, a lot of air in there. Then you hear the next one's great. And comedy is such a great thing because the two guys, Louis C.K., Bill Burr, I don't think they really popped, cre- like, they didn't get recognized creative until they're, like, in their 40s, really, mm-hmm. to the point anywhere near they are now. So it kind of is like, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where, like, if you were, like, I want to be one of those handsome kids on a vampire show, and you were near, nearing your 22nd birthday, you'd be like, shit, <laughs> I have peaked, and this will never happen. I remember when I turned whatever age it was that you couldn't go on kids jokers wild and kids card sharks anymore or even when i got too old to go on mtv's real world those are rites of passage <laughs> oh man no I, I know what you mean i've noticed that since i you know i moved down to, to hollywood in 2008 and i've noticed the like you know i go in for the douchebag guy now uh, lecturing the divorce guy to get back in the game i don't go in for like the the fratty young dude in the bar anymore and you kind of realize like oh man like yeah there's a certain milestones where you're like, all right, well, I hope I can play a fun dad at some point. <laughs> so you said that you don't want to let certain things hurt you or wreck your confidence. What are the kind of things that do that? You know, I mean, okay, for instance, um, I wrote this article the other day to promote my show, uh, Barmageddon, and I wrote it uh, for Crack.com, and it was called The Five Defining Characteristics of a, of a Great Place to Get Drunk, you know? And uh, I put they put it up there on Thanksgiving, and it kind of, like, went viral a little bit, and, like, oh, you know, in, in the small way that I ever have been able to go viral. I think, like, 250,000 people read it. But it was, like, a little blog. For me, that's good. And uh, I was showing my dad in Mexico, and I was. it's always funny trying to describe something like that to my dad's 70, to, like, what, like, he was, like, I don't understand, like, so you, you have like a blog on like a thing. I'm like, yeah, but look, like 250,000 people read it today. And like that number is like hard to, to get over. And then he was like started clicking. He's like, what's this? I was like, oh, I guess it's like comments. And people were just writing like, oh, like, you fucking piece of shit. This isn't funny. Just like that kind of stuff. And I said, and he goes, does that bother you? I was like, no, at this point I've learned to not read that kind of stuff. Because when I first got down here, I would look at every comment about everything that ever happened. And the first time I did Conan, I remember somebody emailed me that I should hang myself. Which, first did of all, you? I... I put it on my bucket list. <laughs> but for, what always bothered me about that is I'm like, dude, I did a four and a half minute set. Like, even if I saw Hitler speak for four and a half minutes, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt that minute five might turn it around. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, that's a really aggressive response. But I mean, it's like, you know, there's so much rejection you get from even people who are listening to your stuff, yeah. let alone auditions and stuff, that it's like, you got to have a real good filter for that kind of stuff. And there's, I think there's habits that you can you can get in. If you Google Allison Rosen, you're probably going to find some people fucking shitting on you. All, I mean, you probably will. We can do it right now. <laughs> I've trained myself not to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to fight that yeah. urge because, you know, that self-loathing well can get full real quick. But the more you uh, you find ways to like not let to do that. 
So I don't know if that answers your question about what what, what was it? How do I? It was what what are the kind of things that can hurt you or can cr- crush your confidence? Yeah, especially in this town too. Where it's like you know, there's four major comedy clubs, and each few years it seems like a new person comes at the helm and books it. And if that person doesn't like you at that club, you just are relegated to horrible spots and made to feel like you're not good. Mm-hmm. And then the next person takes over and they really like you. And then you're like, oh, I'm great. But really, it's just one person's opinion. And you just have to constantly, like, I'm tenacious. Like, that's why I think I have had whatever modicum of success I've had in life is because I've just, I have a certain tenacity. Like, I, I failed algebra one. Freshman year, and I had to take it again, and then I had to go to a tutorial every single fucking day for three years before or after school and at lunch just to be able to pass, you know, science and math. I just couldn't do it. Mm. But I think like that, I have that kind of mind, and I think in this town, unless you're one of these lucky motherfuckers who comes here and becomes famous right away, like you need to have that. I Adam's a good co- example of that. Adam, I mean, I'm blown away when I look up every. He has his hands in so many different creative things that he's just he's just gonna do it, you know, mm. and he's so. Right, I think it's inspiring. Yeah. Where did you learn that tenacity? Um, it's funny. I I somehow picked. Uh, I made a, a a lucky decision to 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 do that because my brother growing up was like extremely extremely perfect. You're older or younger? Older brother. So he's like two years older than me, and now he is a partner in a law firm that. On the good side, that helps people. And he got appointed by like I think he like is about to get appointed by like Jerry Brown for some giant. Face. Oh wow! It's like ridiculous. Like this is how funny it is. My brother. The day that my uh, show came out on NBC, my parents had a little party. We all got together for a little thing. At the th- at the little party, Jerry Brown called my brother on his cell phone <laughs> and said, "Can you drive down to Oakland right now to meet with me uh, about something?" I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You One piece of shit. Premiere party. <laughs> right. What and if you have Jewish of... parents, you can't be like, yeah, but dad, uh, Hank Azari does voice on The Simpsons. Like, they don't care. It's like, what the, kind of law does your brother do? Uh, labor and employment. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so growing up, he was always perfect. You know, and just, is your dad a lawyer? He's a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist. Small town, small town shrink. Is your mom a shrink too? She is a uh, masseuse, but she does do some, she has a master's in psychology and she does like weird, she taught a, a class on, uh, dance trance movement uh, therapy for a long time. It's called authentic movement. You're familiar with it, I'm sure. Of course. The authentic movement movement. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we were growing up, he was always perfect and he would just sort of like ace his classes. And I remember thinking like I was like a piece of shit and like just like almost acting out until Mm -hmm. a certain point like a saw, you know what it really was? He left for college when I was like, a, went into my junior year. And I think honestly having him, even though we're as close as you can get now, having that like daunting perfectness out of the house. Right. Gave me, you space to... Gave me space to realize, like, oh, I'm not a piece of shit. I'm not the bad side of the coin. I'm a... I'm like, I'm my own side of the coin. <laughs> and I can spin... Or whatever. So right. I, it made me focus on a little bit more. But did like, your parents make you feel that you were the bad side of the coin? Or do you think you <clears throat> no, defined yourself No, I don't, th- I don't think way. they did. Although, like, little things, you know, like, I just remember when we were kids, like, you know, your parents give you money if they try to... Uh, to get if you get good grades, maybe you get like some money. I could never get my parents on board with yeah, that. Never, I, I mean, was I, like, I don't think realize, it's a good thing. Do you know how way. much this report card goes for in other homes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially where we live, there was an epidemic. It was a huge thing. Yeah. Wait, where where are you guys from? Uh, Orange County. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember. I remember kids when I was going to school there. We get five hundred bucks for A's. Oh, see, so, well, I was oh, not. I, I was not on that scale. Bank. Yeah. Uh, well, I, it was absurd. Oh, but yeah, I no, remember, my parents didn't do that at all. I remember my, it was like, I think you got like 50 bucks. My brother would get like uh, 50 bucks for an A, 
But then I remember at one point realizing I was getting 50 bucks for a B. <laughs> and just sort of realizing that, be like, oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> like, I'll take it. Right. But, uh, you know, right. no, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I think I have wonderful parents. I don't think they ever did anything to make me feel that way. Just little things. Like when I was growing up, they, you know, the school wanted to put me in a special ed, you know, in elementary school, you know, and my dad was like, fuck no, you're not Why? doing that. I think I was just super hyperactive. I was crazy hyperactive. You know, I could not sit still. I was just like, you know, my, I was all over the place. And because, you know, the public school system was whatever. They were like, well, those kids retarded <laughs> or whatever. And my parents were like, no, he's definitely not. And I'm definitely not, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, I'm hosting I'm a, a show about bars. So <laughs> I think I've proven myself as an did intellectual. Did you know as a kid that they wanted to put you in special ed? No, I did not know that. No, that I did. I do know. Later. I did overhear my parents arguing about my mom not wanting me to go in Ritalin when I was a kid. And it's funny how this, all this stuff works out. So as a kid, uh, I actually never thought about this until right now. But as a kid, I remember hearing my parents argue. I was old enough to know what Ritalin was. And I remember hearing them argue about how my mom did not want me to go on Ritalin because my mom was all into holistic kind of bullshit. And my dad's like very much like didactic therapist. And my dad's saying, I think he should be on it. And I remember as a kid having this sort of fear that maybe my dad was like, gonna start slipping it into my like cereal <laughs> like one of the like Lucky Charms marshmallows would be like the Ritalin. Yeah. And so Years later, I'm living in San Francisco, and I got this. I, I started thinking about that fear, and I wrote a pilot called Barry Mandelbaum Psychiatrist <laughs> just for myself on Microsoft Word. I was still a barista at Pete's. And when I finally won this Comedy Central competition, I, I signed with Three Arts in my management company, and they're like, do you have any scripts? I was like, well, I wrote this thing. And they loved it. They helped me convert it into a final draft like a document. That's how I signed with my agency. And I then sold the idea to FX and wrote a pilot for FX. Oh, that's it. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was based on that same thing. Like, what about a like, psychiatrist who would drug his own family? And then it works so well with his kid that he starts drugging his wife and you know, the whole thing. It's kind of like a Larry David psychiatrist. But it's funny. Like, these little traumas, you find a way to, if you're lucky, to process them in a healthy way. Right. So did so they never medicated you? I Not unless unless he really was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know your dad, but somehow I doubt he was. It's possible. Right? It's very possible. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I, I've medicated myself over the years with certain. With what? Know, like I've taken like a Fexer, you know, it's like a, was like an anti, it's mostly like an anti-anxiety, but also like an anti-depression thing at certain periods in my life. Like not now, but like, I think like in college I got a little fucking. Did it help out. you? It's actually, it's, it's the it timing of you It not be able to come. Yeah, it does that, right? It's really great. So if you want to feel better, guys, <laughs> take a drug that allows you to not orgasm. It's Could a, you not orgasm at all? No, you, it's just, it's, it's, that's one of the weird side effects. You can't release. So you'd be, it was like you were a stallion <laughs> in a certain regard. Because I remember going to the doctor, I'm like, dude, I had sex this week and I, I can't. And he's like, oh yeah, sometimes, yeah, so we got to give you something else so you can come. So then you're like, well, maybe I don't want to do this. What did he give you? So <laughs> well, you give, I think a it was different... he cut it with Wellbutrin, which is something that cuts down the, the thing. But uh, I've talked to a lot of people who've had that, you know? Yeah, no, it's a known side yeah, effect. Yeah, it's a really weird specific side effect, right? Right. So what I was going to say is, is the timing is interesting because just recently on my show, I was talking about antidepressants. I've never taken any of them. My whole you're life. Jewish? <laughs> Um, I have a dad who's probably more like your mom. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I also have a dad who's a lot older and who was a doctor, but I have a grandfather who's, who's a, was a psychoanalyst. But this was before they really, before all the SSRIs and all that stuff. So yeah. to them, it's 
well, my grandfather's dead, but to my dad, it's like this is like a whole new world of, you know, what are the effects going to be? And um, even though at this point, I think people know pretty well. But so I've always grown up kind of afraid of them. But just lately, because I was talking to a friend who um, was diagnosed with this time, like low grade depression and went on something and this friend is doing so well on it. And when the, when this friend described the symptoms of low grade depression, I was like, I thought that's how everyone. Well, felt. that's what I was about to say. I thought that's what it is to be yeah, alive. Right. So now I'm like, maybe I need to be on something. Except that I'm trying to get pregnant, so I can't do anything until if I ever get pregnant after I have the baby. But I'm like, maybe my this is like a pretty earth shattering feeling for me. This feeling of maybe what I thought it was to be alive is not. That's not what we're supposed to feel. No, I don't agree. I mean, I don't think that's true at all. I mean. It's it's funny that you say that because I remember in college some friend of mine like I'm very sensitive to drugs like marijuana I can f- freak out like sometimes I like cocaine like I've done it a few times it like loops me out but I remember you know you have some friends who can just do drugs and it's like right. nothing like yeah. I remember talking to my friend who was on acid he was like uh, we were hanging out and he's like you know I'm on acid right now and I was like. That always mystifies people. Blows my mind. Yeah, Yeah. and then he was like, "Dude!" And then, like, I remember the next day, he's like, "Yeah, maybe think like about like these people are like this, and the world's like this." I was like, "Yeah, you had to do acid to know that, (laughs) right? You fucking you're like a simpleton. You didn't like, you know what I mean? Like, I think low grade depression. I mean, fuck, you're an artistic person. You're a creative person. (laughs) If you don't feel like that a little bit, why would you sit around and try to be creative? I mean, that's that right. is part of my life. I only did it at a certain point because I, have, me and my brother, have both had this problem sometimes, um, where it's like it's more like anxiety. Where like if I get a worry in my head about something, I won't be able to get it out, and it'll just like go in a loop, you know. And it's like, like I had really bad OCD when I was a kid, where I had like a sixteen step thing I had to do before I went to bed every night, what was or my it? whole family would die. Uh, I, you want, I'll trace it for you. Yes. So this is like, and it's really at its pinnacle. This is how crazy it was. I would go out on my parents' deck. Um, there was a, I had to sing like this uh, sort of Native American empowering song that my mom had taught me as a kid. Uh, so I had to <laughs> sing that a few times. I had to change up the lyrics so it was protecting my family and myself. And then I would kiss this little knot on the wood on the deck. I had to kiss it like four times because uh-huh. four people in my family. Then I would ring the wind chimes a certain amount of times. Then I would run out, look into one mirror in my parents' room, look in the other, then look back in the other mirror, then look in the other. Then I would have to, and, I, and like no one could disturb me on this. It was like a thing I had to do. And then I would run or else down. you'd have to start over, Yeah, right? I'd start over. Yeah, yeah, I'd run down to my, my room. I had a loft. So I'd have to, <laughs> this is really <laughs> weird. I would have to go th- like a snake through each rung of the ladder weaving back and which is very oh, hard to do as you know right that was little but it wasn't that little so it was kind of hard to do and then i would like have to get up there and i think that was those were like the major steps and um yeah so that was like that was like pretty late in life that was probably like 11 12 13 what did barry think of this barry was not thrilled um <laughs> uh, i don't know i can't can't remember what my dad really weighed in on that one i mean i don't i think like Again, I guess I just kind of don't have as bad of symptoms as other people because I remember at a certain point, like in my freshman year of college, I had a, I, I just had like epiphany, like, like I would, I still had like, if I like pulled off one leaf on a tree, I'd have to pull off like four or like all these like weird things. I just remember at one point, like, I don't want to live like this anymore, but I still have these fucking things. Like sometimes even when I go in for auditions now, if like I don't adjust my contacts like four times I think like oh, I'm gonna blow this audition or something and I'm like what am I fucking doing like mm-hmm. why am I still doing this all the proof that that's bullshit is 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 there 
but you still, it's like the compulsion is so strong. So I think at a certain point in college, I got like this obsessive thing about certain issues in my life and I just couldn't stop thinking about them and, and, and just like debating, what should I do with my life, this and that. And, I would, and like, yeah, not even major ways, but like, should I, I thought I wanted to go into social work or I didn't know if I wanted to try to be a novelist or all these things. And then they sound like, you know, look, the epitome of fucking champagne problems, I guess. But it would debilitate me, where I'd be like at parties, I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it, you know? So that was more what I used. The, 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 and do they help, the antidepressants? They did help for that, yeah. Yeah. Um, was there some trauma that you experienced as a young person, as a child? Um, no, I'm not that I can really think of. I mean, trauma, like, no, I mean, not, not like one pivotal incident, just I think a lot of mini, tra- mini traumas throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, what was your, what was your childhood like? Uh, I don't know. I remember just being like, well, okay. One thing I was actually just talking to someone about this the other day and they said, oh, that's pretty fucking weird. And I never thought of it as that weird. So my grandfather killed himself, but I never met him. He killed himself when he was, uh, 46. And my mom, which I always do, I don't give her enough credit for turning out as good as she did. Like she was, I always thought like, oh, you were an adult and who gives a shit about your parents at that point? No, she was like 24 or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. And so I did somehow know that had happened as a little kid. And my mom got really depressed when we were uh, young kids. And I remember one time, and this is like, I think I would have put him in like third grade, walking out of the house after her and my dad had been like some sort of like argument or something. And as we were walking out to the car, just like this blood curdling like scream from inside the house when like the family's leaving and just thinking like, my mom's going to kill herself. Like, I'm going to come home and she's going to have killed herself. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being at school, like, as a third grader, just, like, thinking about it, like, freaking out about it. I don't, I don't, I don't, can't say that's a, that's a traumatic experience. I mean, trauma is some, sounds, such a relative sounds, experience. Well. But it was terrifying. That's what I mean by traumatic. Yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes I, I, you talk to people and they're like, well, you know, my uncle used to sodomize me for hours. Yeah. And you'd be like, no, whoa, I, okay, you win. I, I wasn't even not going to, you know. I just meant anything that sort of messed with your sense of stability. Yeah, I, I was a very fear-ridden child, like massively fear-ridden. And my brother was too at a certain point. Like I remember, I remember seeing my brother have like a fucking. He, I probably shouldn't talk about him because he's kind of a politics, but I've never seen him have like a panic attack on the uh, submarine at Disneyland when the little dragon octopus was in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't—I was actually kind of ballsy as a little little kid. And I think seeing him. He was such a little bitch that I think it, I took all that on and then, like, because I'm obsessive, like, got even worse at it. Right. You know? So, I don't know. I mean, I was – I also didn't grow till very late. I was 103 pounds a freshman in high school. I remember even as, like, a senior in high school, I looked like I was, like, six. Mm-hmm. I looked like, like a little mini Fred Savage. <laughs> um, so, I don't, I don't remember I, – I always <clears> – <throat> I always say this uh, when, when I talk about age people is that I generally like my life much more the older I get. And I'm sure that's a peak. I'm sure there's. I'm sure that that tapers off when you have to get <laughs> fucking hip surgery or something. But, right. But I, I would not want to go back to college or high school. I definitely like my life now. Um, I'm wondering because I was also a fearful little kid, and I was a sad. I was a depressed. I don't know if I would use the word depressed, but I was a pretty sad little kid. And my dad would say, <laughs> um, what, "What did he say? It's the." existential alienation of being an intellectual, which is like, no, I don't think that's what it was, dad. (laughs) I think that I was seeing a lot of shit, weird shit going on. And I was being told that what I was seeing wasn't right. And I, and there was so much just 
dysfunction and people arguing and people who were sad. And, you know, I think that and you say and that that's why with, I was crying. Within your own family, you were seeing that? Yeah. Of, my parents fought. Man, they're still together. Yeah. But they fought all the time. And it just ripped me apart, I think. So I think that upset me. My mom's parents both died um, within a few weeks of each other when she was 31. And sort of like with your mom, I think that it just – it rocked her quite a bit. And so I think that that – I think going through that as a family, because the deaths were so close to each other, um, I, I, I think that upset things. Yeah. And you were alive when this happened? Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, just in case any of my mom's friends or anyone listening to this, I, I, I don't mean to suggest that that, that that was a constant thing. That was, like a, that was like a small period of time, you know, and I and actually I think – you know, just because I have had things get back to my parents, and I, and I, I want to make sure if I'm saying that what I really felt was like she recovered, and, and I think she's also, you know, she's an emotional person, whatever. But seeing your family go through shit at an age where you're powerless to stop it, seeing your parents argue, or seeing your parents depressed, or this and that, right? It's fucking horrible. It, it really is. makes you feel like you're alone in a windstorm, and you because you can't do anything about it. Yes, and I think, but I don't think that I had that thought. I'm alone. Like I, it didn't. The thoughts weren't really in terms of I, in terms of what I was feeling. I don't think I was quite able to articulate it. Articulate it really. Just like I'm not able to articulate it now for some reason. <laughs> and I think it just came out as I feel sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that age, I think that's what it was. I my thing was not a sadness. It was like just. I mean, th- there was some a lot of fear. But then outside of that fear, it would just be like craziness like just yeah. i was always like getting in fights and i remember i, remember I punched a kid in the face at a bar mitzvah when i was like a little kid and it was like a big deal in the community and like i was just like i was wow. just like a little fucking monster to the point Were you mean to other kids um <clears throat> i don't i mean i was a shit talker i mean i've always <laughs> been a shit talker like that but i wasn't like no i remember like this kid i punched was, like two years older than me and he had like done something to humiliate me and like i just stewed about it for like an hour during the bar mitzvah he had done this before and then i just like i was like and I just like walked up in front of his mom and just socked him in the face. <laughs> and then I just remember it was like a real like, okay. What had he done? I think he had like put ice down my shirt or something like just very benign. <laughs> I think he was like 11. I was nine and I was small. And I think I remember having to nearly jump to hit him in the face. But wow. I do remember like kind of giving him a good pop to the point where like I was okay with the fact that I was in so much trouble because I felt like I had, a, I had delivered my point. <laughs> what was it like growing up with a psychiatrist for a dad? You know, I, it's so funny. People always say, like, was he doing all this? I, I don't feel like my dad's a huge 49er fan. I, I feel like I got the, always got the sense growing up that if he could get me to shut the fuck up so he could watch it. I mean, like in a loving way, but I, he was not like mm, in your head. Well, my mom, of- very much so. Mm-hmm. Like my mom is uh, very spirit. I remember complaining to her that some kid, some uh, Native American kid in my school was picking on me uh, and I remember her being like well what you should do is next time this is elementary school like, you should ask him if you'd like to take a walk and, and hold his hand and, and just be like listen when you when you do this this is where I was like oh my god like how are you this out of touch with? Like, even as like a third grader I was like you don't you know anything about already. the world <laughs> yeah like what planet do you think you raise us in a small redneck town in northern California how did you think this was the kind of place where that would go through yeah, and that's Boonville. Boonville is a weird town where it's at this point it's like the 70- name sounds like it's in the middle. Yeah, of nowhere. it really. Is. I mean, well, it's like yeah, it's like three hours north of San Francisco. When I was growing up there, there was four Jewish families, uh, and in perfect stereotypical fashion, my dad's a psychiatrist, one of the other guys is a lawyer, and the other one is like the judge, the other one's like a doctor. But <laughs> it was mostly Latinos and just like 
rednecks. When I was growing up, it was like very like loggery. I don't even say rednecks. Uh, rednecks is that's there was a redneck element, but it was rural. It's a rural mm. place, and uh, it's a wonderful place. And at this point, it's kind of bougie, actually, because it's part of the whole Mendocino County wine thing. But when I was growing up, there was definitely an element of, like, kids walking behind you and be like, oh, Jew, oh, Jew, you know, that kind of shit. And that kind of bullshit that makes you feel part a little bit. And also, I was just, like, an annoying kid in general. So, like, I talked to other Jewish kids who grew up around that area, and they're like, I didn't get that. And I was like, oh, maybe I just bring that on myself. Because <laughs> my brother didn't really get it either. So. Why did your parents choose it? Uh, well, the same reason that you always choose it. They, uh, they wanted to live in Mendocino County because they heard that if there was a nuclear holocaust, certain wind patterns there would keep the radiation away. You know, that's why you always pick where to raise your family. But they were, they were, they had been living in San Francisco and they, they've heard that and they wanted to, they were part of the back to the earth movement of the hippie, well, dippy days. It seems to me that I'm beginning to get a greater understanding of perhaps why you had so many fears as a kid. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I certainly I have parents who are very uh, overprotective and worst case scenario. And I mean, they didn't have the wind thing, but I could totally see them having that. That's something they would think about, you know. Yeah. I remember there was one point I remember we had to take these pills all the time just in case there was like a thing or whatever. Nuclear something? Yeah, some nuclear. But I remember this is so funny because I like uh, the girl that I was dating for the last like four years, she was from a very non-hippie family and she came out to visit and you know like you like, just forget it's so funny how life works because like certain aspects of your childhood are like at this point like they might as well have happened to somebody else in a mm-hmm. lot of ways you know and my mom was like oh yeah and she's showing her around the house and she said this is the redwood grove this is where we all slept during the harmonic convergence <laughs> And and my girlfriend's like, what's that? And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> and so it turned out at a certain point, I mean, we were real young. There was something called the harmonic convergence, which was some sort of planetary bullshit. And my family <laughs> slept in a redwood grove with our heads touching in some sort of a star pattern. Why? Who Why fu- not? Who knows? But it's funny. At a certain point, because I'm thinking what you're saying, you're saying you're starting to understand why. At a certain point... That's some sort of like cool hippie thing. Another point, it's just fucking OCD paranoia. Yeah. All religion and spirituality is mostly paranoia and OCDness. Like I visited like the oldest temple in Israel and they were showing us around like, notice how there's 13 points there and five points there. And it's like, <laughs> like these guys are fucking crazy. Like yeah. this is like, this is what I used to do before I go to bed every night. It's like this <laughs> fucking craziness. Do you have to do anything before you go to bed no, now? No, now I'm pretty good. Like I don't even brush my teeth. I'm like really doing well. Do you have like, <laughs> do you have, like, can you close a book on any word? Oh, yeah. I've never even thought about that. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't even, not even if you see like a so scary word, you the last be, word. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't believe how little it takes for me to close a book. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny, though, because everyone's OCD thing manifests itself differently. Like, right. Even at the height of my OCD days, that particular thing never entered my mind. Um, I had a crazy, I don't know if I would call it OCD. I don't know what it is exactly, but I've recently started like almost like where you're just like, I just don't want to live this way anymore. I've kind of been unshackling myself from some of the things. Um, I was packing to, I forget where we were going with the Adam Corolla show. We just went somewhere recently. Where did we go? Portland, Seattle? Probably. I'm not sure which story. Just the most recent trip we took. Portland, Seattle. Portland, Seattle. I was packing and I needed a little notebook to take notes in and I grabbed one and I looked and there was uh, there were a few notes that I had taken in it in July and my dog died in August, which was I've been oh, I've been talking a lot about yeah. it on the show. It was very traumatic and upsetting. So I was going to grab the notebook and then 
because I liked the notebook. And then as I was putting it in my bag, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe I don't want to bring this notebook because the last time I used it was so close to when the dog died. And like, maybe I don't want to bring that with me. That's bad luck. And then I was like, but I kind of still want to bring it. But And I started going back and forth about whether I wanted to bring that energy of this right, notebook right, with right. me. And... Because I, I didn't want to bring the bad luck with me, you know, because you know how that goes when you get on a plane. And then I was like, "This is like fuck it." My first, my so my new thing is like I'm just going to trust my first instinct on things. And my first instinct was that I smiled when I saw the notebook, so I'm just going to take it with me. And I've been trying to do that lately because my pattern is I'll have a feeling about something and then I'll undo it. And then yeah. I'll go back and forth and I do that. And it's always about stuff that's pretty insignificant. That's the weird thing is that with big things, I'm fine, but it'll be like uh, – or like ordering and I want that. Uh, and then I'll go back and forth and then – or the what color of something I should get or – I mean it's just – but it's actually been freeing just to be like, fuck it. I'm just going to – just trust my gut instinct yeah. on this stuff that doesn't matter anyway. But that felt kind of OCD, that back and forth of whether to bring this particular notebook with me. Yeah, although I got to argue, to be the devil's advocate to, to your the part of your brain that said that was stupid to have that debate. I think there's – if you think literally having this object creates bad luck in the universe, that's one thing that's fucking crazy. If you think something around creates a different energy of yourself – that, I believe, is like feng shui and, and real shit. Well, the weird thing is that I, I like I said, I, I was happy when I first grabbed the notebook. Yeah. And it made me happy for some reason because, oh, these were things I had written down in a time of my life where I, before, you know, everything got awful for a while. So at first I was like, oh, I feel better that I like the energy you know, I yeah. feel ridiculous saying it. The energy of this notebook. But, but then please I do didn't... not feel weird telling me this because every night when I would eat with my family, part of the Shabbos ritual on Fridays would be to take in light from the candles and literally send that light energy to a place in the world that needs oh. healing. So okay. you're talking energies. <laughs> you're talking someone who's gone places and done that with that craziness. Okay. Well, great then. <laughs> you must yeah. be talking about Saturday morning cartoons to me. So at first I felt – so I felt happy – about the notebook, but then it's like I didn't want to let myself feel that, and so I started cha- morphing it into no, but I should feel bad about it because what if there's bad luck associated with it and da da da. So I get what you're saying, yeah. but I guess what I'm saying is you know what is, really suck is if the plane was going down and, and it was because of my notebook. It was because you're in your fucking Hitler notebook. I know my bad notebook <laughs> killed everybody. Patrice O'Neill has this fucking great bit where he talks about when he gets on a plane, like sometimes he'll like, you know, he's, he'll get nervous, you know, so he would like help an old lady lift her bag and put it up there. And then, and then he would think like, that's why God's not going to kill him on this flight. And then when he's getting off the plane, the old lady will look to him and like bring a bag. He's like, bitch, I kept this plane in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of energy, Mm. nature box. Two words, you guys. Free snacks. I'm going to give you the chance to get free snacks. They're natural. They're delicious snacks, and they're from NatureBox, and you can get them at NatureBox.com. They've got zero artificial ingredients, zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup. They have delicious stuff like my favorites, peanut butter nom noms, baked sweet potato fries, or dark cocoa almonds. They're good, and they're good for you. And I want to give you guys the chance to try NatureBox for free with a sampler box, and I've spoken before about my favorite is a sampler box, even more than just a singular box. A box has a bunch of different kinds of things. And they want to give you guys a free sampler box with five of their most 
popular snacks. To start your free trial, go to naturebox.com slash allison. Again, that's naturebox.com slash allison to get a free sampler box of delicious snacks. Okay. So... We were talking about all the OCD stuff. You were talking about your dog. This is interesting. And you've lost a dog biological reasons, I, and which is very tragic. I'm sorry to hear that. I have sort of lost a dog to life reasons. Where I have a girlfriend who we broke up. We've been there four and a half years. We got a dog together last year and a half, this guy Mikey. And I never had a dog growing up. We only ever had cats because you'd travel and, you know, if you leave them outside and, no one, and they die, no one cares. You know, it's just kind of like a word. <laughs> you know, well, that's a cat. No, we actually had a great cat. But, but we got this dog and I just loved him. And now we broke up and I have visitation rights on this dog. Uh-huh. But the problem is it's kind of like if you describe somebody like, you know, I was telling a friend the other day, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, Sharon Cussie and my dog. And they were like, <laughs> just, it's like going through an adorable divorce. Like no one find no one gives you sympathy for that. I do. You okay? That's I good. I do because I because I'm in this world where like I I may as well have lost a child having lost my dog. So I get it. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, let's hear about Mikey. It's what fucking kind of dog? tough, dude. He is like a uh, like a rescue poodle something. Mm-hmm. And is he when, little? He's a little guy. He's like 13 pounds. Mm-hmm. One of the most traumatic things that I've happened recently is he got attacked by a pit bull in front of me, and I had to like literally be punching the pit bull in the face to get the, him to open its jaws. And uh, he had, like, blood out of his neck. It was really horrifying. Did he have but to get sewn he up? Had to get, he had to get, like, 14 staples in his neck. And it it honestly was – I have had friends, like, kill themselves and be at their funerals and not shed one tear and be like, what is wrong with me? And then after, after seeing him and having to wrestle him out of his dog's mouth and everything, happened at a, a place, on like, a little brunch place um, – was the pit bull on leash? Yeah. It was, it was on leash. The owner was like classic idiot owner who had no idea what they were doing. Anyway, I would like oh break God. into tears in the middle of the day like three days later. It was like I had some so much trauma yes. associated with this. I couldn't even talk about it for months without like crying. It was really weird. So what happened? You were at a brunch place. Oh, it was a classic nightmare. My brother had uh, come into town. We never had a dog before. Like So he, we, he like we were just having so much fun like playing with you know, the dog. It was like, the first couple months we had him, or I had him. And uh, we pulled up in front of uh, Aroma on Tahanga and... Um, he got out. I parked. He was in the passenger seat. He got out, and instantly I just hear, Arr! and it turned out there was an owner just sitting there on the corner at a table with their dog on their table, and their dog just snapped, you know, just grabbed him. And then all so of a sudden- So your brother had him on this He happened. had him, yeah. Fucking asshole. Makes me feel like a loser as a kid, and then he gets my dog. <laughs> uh, anyway, so then we race over there, and like, and I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just holding the dog's, because tr- like, he won't open his mouth, and my dog's What's just like- What's she doing? She just, she's doing nothing. She doesn't know what to do. I talked yeah. to her later. She's like, I never had a dog. I was she shaking your dog around? No, that's why I held them to make oh, sure that didn't happen. Right. And all of a sudden, a friend of mine who was meeting there races out of the restaurant. I guess he saw us. Just starts punching the dog like in the, in the head, trying to get to open it. See, he was right. just didn't know what to do, which I know people are like, oh, it's a terrible dog. Fuck that. But this well, dog was like a huge people, dog. Yeah. They can latch on. Yeah. And some woman ran over there across. It was like, it was so nice. The whole community kind of got involved in that little moment and they like raced over they were like throw water in its face throw water in its face and they finally threw water in its face and it opened up my dog kind of scampered off and it had like a bite on its jugular uh-huh. but I had been watching a lot of CSIs so when we got him in the car to race to the thing I was just like I had like I was like putting the, I was like putting pressure on and right. all this then I got there was and he like, yelp, yelping? no he wasn't saying anything okay. then we got there they're like no it just bit into his skin he didn't actually hit any of his stuff Good. so he's okay but it was still Horrifying, yeah. And I had to call my girlfriend at the time and be like, "Be like, oh, you got bit." She's like, "He's gonna be okay." And I was like, "Oh, no." And she's like, "Just starts crying." It was fucking terrifying, dude. Were you mad I at your am, brother at all? Was not mad at my brother at all. It was not his fault. I absolutely despised pit bulls, right, for a long time. Uh, because and, and, I mean, did you? What happened with the owner? Well, somebody got their number 
And she was cool. She PayPal'd me the 450 bucks it cost like within an hour. But it was just like the classic thing where she, I was like, what, what, what was that? Like, why did you let your dog do that? And she's like, I had I, uh, rescued this dog two weeks ago. They didn't say she had done anything, and I never had a dog before. So it's like to me, it's like going to a car dealership. Like, you ever driven? No. Cool. You want to buy this tank? You know, it's like, why do you give people? That's a terrible, terrible. terrible well, what I've heard, and this may anger people, except it's I believe this to be true. A lot of some, I don't know if a lot or many. Some of the dogs in shelters have records that have been washed. Absolutely. So these are dogs that have been busted for biting an animal or biting a person in one locality. And then they get, you know, shipped to another state because they're, you know, they get rescued and they get put into shelters and rescues and that stuff gets washed. So you, if you get a, well, so the reason I know this is because my dog was attacked and then died, um, a few days, some days later, oh, and I had a little God. guy who was attacked by a Malamute who was a rescue off leash. And it's like, who knows what was in this dog's past? This dog could have done this before. Right. And, and, and the, the bleeding heart person who works at the dog shelter, bless him, you know, is like, well, what am I going to right. let them put this dog down? I, yeah. And I totally get that. I totally get that. At the same time, I don't know. It's a really tough situation. It is because a tough of course, situation. like it kills yeah. me the idea of dogs being killed. But if you have an aggressive dog being rescued by a fucking idiot, yeah, <laughs> I've got anger at the people. No, it's I've like got... you, if you have a dog that has the ability to kill someone, you need to get your shit together and make sure you can control that dog. Right. And I love when people are like, pit bulls actually are some of the the sweetest dogs. Sure, but when they're not. They right. can kill something. That's the thing. That's it's like one of the little dogs, like like Oliver was, and like your dog, they can't do that much harm. Yeah, my the dog most they can do is the mailman one time, and I don't think he broke the, the thing. Right. I mean, this is like, I got, so I was on a real rant about this for a while. And one thing I found out that blew my mind, and I'm so sorry to deal with it, because it's fucking tragedy. Pit bulls are illegal in Australia. So to that, me, yeah. that is the end of the argument. Because Australians were once illegal in Europe, <laughs> and even they had the knowledge to know that pit bulls was a bad fucking idea. These people invented bungee jumping. They see a pit bull, they're like, nah, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> doing that. And then right. people here are like, oh, you're a hipster? Yeah, let's give you a fucking uh, right. dog you can't possibly maintain. You know, it's just... Yeah, know, that's the thing that, that scares me is people who... I mean, if you're a professional dog trainer or dog owner like caesar milan that's fine but yeah, if you're if just some milan nice is, person yeah. who doesn't know what the fuck you're doing <laughs> yeah you you could be endangering a human and you're certainly endangering little dogs yeah in it's uh, i don't know it, it's hard but see i was in that position like i'm sure you probably were too where it was like what do i do now do i like call do i find out who this dog is and have a put down right well i didn't because I didn't want to do but that. But they won't do that. That's the thing is that at first I was like, oh, it was a little bit like, oh, what's going to happen if it's ever a dog? Because for some reason I had this idea that if a dog bites, that, you know, it has even one attack, they put the dog down. That's so not the, the case. I think if it's a person, it's different. But if a dog attacks another dog, like no one really gives a shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here I thought I had made some giant moral stand by not but having this dog did. put down. You still did. <laughs> Maybe it's different where it happened down in Orange County. Which is because uh, my mom was watching my dog. Um, By the way, just to go back in the conversation, 
and I and I'm only offering this, and maybe this will help you give some more clarity to your the, any sadness you felt in your childhood. I go to Orange County now as an adult. I feel incredibly depressed. So it could really have just been Orange County. That was always my sense. My sense <laughs> I go was to a it spot might be Orange the County. Irvine Improv. I want to blow my fucking brains out. That place really bums me out for whatever reason. It's a pretty. Have you been to the new room? I have not been to the new room. I hear the new room it's is amazing. A lot better. Yeah, I, I liked true. the club. Yeah, I, I love the club. Well, the, it's, it's the located area located in that mega mall that can be really, really. Depressing. Yeah, the Spectrum Center. That's where the it's, old one was too. Yeah, I know. And that that place, the clubs are fine, but that going walking through the club, the mall to get to the clubs can really be a trying. Experience. Well, this is well, my growing feeling. Up, with... I did feel like it did have, and that's what my parents said too. Is like this place is not like regular places. <laughs> And your parents are like, this place is horrible. Uh, with that said, we did intentionally raise you here. Yeah, and because you're it's have safe. to deal with that. Because it's safe. So. Yeah. No, you know what? Orange County to me is like, I was thinking of it as rich rednecks. Yeah. Because they got a lot of money, so they have a lot of entitlement, but they're so unsophisticated in a lot of ways that right. it's just like. That's, that's, that's fair, I would say. Yeah. At least where I grew up was poor rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, back to this joint custody yeah. of your dog. How or visitation is you have visitation rights? Yeah, visitation rights, but it's like like I walked him today, you know, <clears throat> and it's like uh it's weird because I don't have a key to the building, so I have to like go to my old building where I think I'm technically still on the lease. I have to like get my So girl- you moved at, you I moved out of the place that yeah, you guys lived Because she it was had been her place before. And then it's also weird because I've heard through the grapevine that she might be dating some other guy now. And while I'm okay with that for our relationship, I'm not okay with some fucker scratching my dog's tummy yeah. and my dog <laughs> loving that guy because he's a my dog. Like as much as I love him, he's he's pretty. Uh, he's Friendly. not that discerning with who he'll fucking just love up. And it makes me a little annoyed that that dude is now right. fucking getting some love on my dog. And also it worries me. Until I get married, I don't really feel like I can be with anyone who has a pet again because if that breaks up, I can't have like multiple animal visitation rights where I drive all around town and walk random animals all day. Well, so wait, how often do you get to see him? I mean, I think I can see him whenever I want, probably, you know. I'm asking as if the court mandated this. Yeah, there's, I don't no, know court, there's no court order on this. We have not gotten... <laughs> I just realized this is actually didn't get handed down in court. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I moved into... The, the problem is I moved into this new place, I'm just subleasing, and it has like a lot of windows, and I noticed when he's there, he can see like trees all over him, and he's freaking the fuck out, trying oh. to trace squirrels all around that are outside the window, and I'm like, I don't feel like I can leave him here, because right. I feel like he's just going to bang his head into the window, or just like, they were just going to go crazy. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you miss him so that I makes miss, sense yeah, why did you guys break up I don't know man I really don't I guess just fizzle I guess if that's the only explain. great girl like just a beautiful wonderful human being you know uh, we're working kind of the same business um, but I don't know I just sort of got to this weird zone where I had to go on the road for the show Barmageddon that um, I think I was hoping I was going to plug on the show instead of plugging a tremendous amount of trauma <laughs> as a young person. <laughs> and, then, and if anyone watches the show, I'll be like, that guy seems pretty peppy. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, so I was gone for like eight weeks in a row shooting it. And we had been in like a real, like not even coming home kind of thing. And we had uh, been in a, just like a real funk, you know. And so she said like, you know, we should just sort of take those two months and really, you know, figure out what you want to do. And I think to me, I kind of figured out like, well, you know what? I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. Like I, not that I don't love her in a lot of ways, but sometimes you look at relationships and you're like, 
the pros don't outweigh the cons anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, and, and that sounds like a really shitty thing to say, but it's like sometimes it's just like I, I just feel like we're arguing and we're not having fun and we're certainly not having sex really in any kind of enjoyable very very often. It was the kind of thing in relationship when we can have sex, it's great, but then for some reason, like you be in an argument or something like this, you just don't have it a lot, and then you start looking at your life and you're like, God, it's like if I go down and check, if I check the boxes on a daily basis of like things that I enjoyed and things that I don't, even though I enjoy the person and love the person, so I find the person attractive and, and, I, and I really respect the person, what the equation equals to what our daily lives are like isn't healthy anymore, you know, and isn't fun. Right. And so it was more just like, look, I don't know why this isn't working. And, and like, I had so much, I got with the therapy with just trying to ask, although that was one of her big issues was that I never really was willing to work on myself for therapy. I went a few times, but you know, just trying to figure out like, what is it that it, why am I not, you know, and I'm a difficult person. So I was like, maybe this is my fault and I'm just not as happy as I should be because I couldn't think, of, I still to this day can't think of one thing wrong with a girl. It's annoying. Because I know she's probably shit talking me like crazy, <laughs> you know. And 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 so one of my friends are like, "Whoa, this and that." And and it's so funny. This is like I know, like this is like maybe I should, maybe I made a huge mistake. Because when I have friends, you know, try to be friends, be like, "Man, she's kind of like this and that." I'm like, "Fuck you, dude. No, she's not. She's great." And I like defend her, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I'm the one who broke up with this girl. <laughs> Fuck is wrong with me?" So, for whatever worth, I don't date bad. I, I have a good taste in women. I think that's one thing. I, I my parents have a wonderful marriage. I think at least. Well, I don't know how to do a, crea- uh, a great relationship. I do know what it's supposed to look like. So I, I generally date very quality women. And so when I do break up, especially with this girl, I was like, there's nothing I can, this is, this is me. Or this is just not right. But there's nothing on her, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you feel more like she's like a, you love her like a sister. Is that fair? Or is that right? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't really feel like that necessarily. Right. Uh, it's just sort of. They're just, it just got to be too hard. Yeah, you know, it's like people say relationships are so or work, but at a certain point, maybe I'm just lazy. I'm like, I don't want to work right now. Like, I work on my career all the time, so I don't want to fucking. I've had, yeah, I mean, I've had realizations in the past of like, wait, I don't have to be in this. Yeah, and it exactly. feels like coming up to the surface of the water. Like, yeah. wait, I remember there was one relationship where I wanted out, and I remember he said to me that he felt. Like he was waking up when he was with me and it, or like awake or, you know, that's how I made him feel. And I remember. And that's I a nice to, way to put it. It was, actually. it was sweet. Cause then I, what I didn't want to say is I felt like by breaking up, that was me. <laughs> that's when I felt like I was waking up. Yeah, yeah. Like finally returning back to who I wanted to be. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't know. It's like, yes, it should be work, but also at a certain point it shouldn't be that hard or I don't know. Yeah. And it, you know, I, it was, say I'm very pessimistic about all this shit now. Like, because the week that we broke up, we had been together for over four and a half years and we had some amazing times. Like I still to this day can say I've never had as good a sex in my life. As the week you broke up? No. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I, I would have had some really high standards if I broke up that week. <laughs> no, I'm saying when I first, when we first got together for those first like years, so like I definitely like have never had connected sexually with anybody like that. I've never, everything you need to say that was there. And I went to my friend's wedding that week and then we broke up and he and his wife were saying all these amazing things to each other. And I remember thinking if I, they had been together for two years. Like if I had married my girlfriend within those first two years, I could have said all this shit mm-hmm. and meant it. But you know, what happened in the next two and a half years? I don't fucking know. You know, and and um, 
my parents who have been married for 45 years and they go tango dancing all the time and all this shit they were like you gotta put fucking work in and one thing my girlfriend said to me as we were breaking up she was like you know in four and a half years we took two vacations went to Maui for three nights and went to Santa Barbara for the weekend that's fucking it I'm like alright so then maybe I'm just not in a position where I'm willing to I mean I understand you have to keep putting energy energy into it energy into it but at a certain point you don't have to and I had a pretty good weekend and I got laid, and I had a fun time, and uh, I guess if that's enough to make me happy right now, then it's like, why would you put an extra effort? I don't know. You know, my husband uh, would probably not appreciate me telling all this, but I think I've talked about it before. He was with someone for seven years um, before, and then, you know, they were broken up for a while, and then he met me. But And got awoken. <laughs> no, we don't talk like that. <laughs> you guys don't wake each other up. Um, no, actually, he wakes me up all the time because he snores. But anyway, <laughs> he I think beautiful. that he felt at times like there was in that other relationship, like there was something wrong with him. Like he just didn't want to commit or if, you know, like this is what it's probably this is what it's supposed to be like. And there's just because he, you know, when he had doubts about and obviously the fact they were together for seven years and didn't get married, like there were he was having doubts, you know, sure. periodically and felt like it's probably just him and there's something wrong with him that he you know and and he's afraid to commit and this and all that and but when he met me he said that all you know it was a completely different feeling and yet there's nothing wrong with her like she's a great person it just they weren't meant to be together yeah yeah i mean i hope that's i hope that's the truth I think so. I think – well, I don't – I actually don't – I don't know you well enough to know. Maybe you're super fucked up. But it could also be the case that you'll then meet someone else and you'll – and it will just feel totally different. Right. And then get boring. Yeah. But then I'll just – then, then I'll be too again. old to break up. So I'll just, like, right. just do it and then resent. And, you'll settle. And one of us will kill the other like, in their sleep and our kids will both turn out to be um, drug dealers. That could happen as well. Wonderful. Let's do just me or everyone. But first, I want to tell you guys about Sherry's Berries. Mo, have you had Sherry's Berries? You know, I've there's, not. I've you not. haven't? They are big, juicy, delicious strawberries dipped in chocolate. They're so good. They make an amazing gift. And they, they're dipped in milk chocolate with nuts or dark chocolate with chocolate chips or my favorite, which is a white chocolate with dark chocolate swizzle. Um, and you, they, you get a, an assortment. There's all different types that you can get. They are so good. Christmas is this Thursday. Have you checked everyone off your list? Don't sweat it because I can help. Avoid stressing about the perfect last-minute gift. Just get Sherry's Berries. It's a unique gift. It's sure to be a hit. It's just a click away. And your time is limited since Christmas is coming so soon. So that's why you guys should let Sherry's Berries bail you out of your late shopping trend. Freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries starting at $19.99. That's over 40% savings. Or you can double the berries for just $10 more. But to do that, you need my code. Uh, to take advantage of the deal, you need my code, which is best friend. And by the way, they have other stuff stuff besides um, just strawberries. They have cake truffles, Christmas cake pops, dipped pretzels. They have all sorts of stuff. I've given people a lot of gifts from Sherry's Berries, and they're all super popular. So here's the only way to get the amazing 1999 Sherry's Berries offer. Don't wait. Today's the last day to order. Go to berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Again, that's B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the top right-hand corner and type in best friend. It's the perfect gift without the hassle. Um, again, go to berries.com. Click on the microphone in the top corner, top right-hand corner. Best. Type in best friend. Do it. Order them today. Okay, let's do just me everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought of. 
or everyone. All right. Amanda H. Fryer says, Just mirror everyone. Love getting the mini ketchup bottles or jelly containers with my food order, but feel guilty if I don't finish them. How can you finish one of those mini ketchup bottles? I mean, you can, but I feel like there's, there's more than one serving in a tiny bottle of ketchup. Same mm. with a tiny Tabasco bottle, actually. And I also, I do love getting little bottles. Yeah, I do too. I, I used to collect the little liquor ones that you get on planes. That was fun. And then do what with them? Um, that's the problem with collecting anything. Fucking nothing. And then eventually <laughs> they just sit somewhere and then you're like, well, this is fucking in the way of my computer. <laughs> Like, I went to a Dodgers game the other day and I bought a stupid bobblehead. I thought that would be really fun. And now I'm just like, what the fuck do I do with yeah. this? This is annoying. It's like, <laughs> I guess I over, I overestimate how big my studio apartment was. <laughs> oh, is that what you're in now? Yeah. Is it a big studio at least? Let me just describe uh, uh, my life to you. The okay. other day, uh, Barmageddon, my TV show on True TV, uh, aired, and I did Conan. That day, my life equaled two TV appearances and not one duvet cover. <laughs> Okay. Well, you just moved, though. Yeah. It's well, all in the process. Yeah. I mean, I could afford a duvet cover, but I, I, I have You just don't have one yet. I don't have the, the patient, the time. Well, I do have the time. I'm just a lazy fuck. <laughs> Small well, my balls. husband and I have a king-size bed now, but we still have the duvet from our queen-size bed because I'm a lazy fuck. And by the way, my chair is squeaking, so if you guys are hearing something weird, it's the chair squeaking. Um, yeah, I just haven't... Well, it's that whole thing with decisions. So I'm like, I haven't decided which comforter to get and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, we're on um, mattress and we have no dust ruffle. And, yeah, it's like – I so hate with you. domestic stuff. Yeah. Like anything where it's like I got to – like I was like – the other day I woke up in a bad mood because I knew I had to go to Target and buy a dustpan. And I like a Target? Really like, every time I go to – it's probably the same Target. The one on Santa Monica and the Brea is where I go. I think yeah, I, I think hate so. That one. Whenever I go to Target, like after three aisles, I'm like, I want to be out of here more than I want anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't stand being here. <laughs> it puts you in such a bad mood. Any errand puts me in the worst mood. Yeah, and then I do it. I'm like, oh, that that only took like 12 minutes. Why was I fucking angry for a week that I knew I was eventually going to have to go buy a, a new iPhone cover? Right. Yes, I I'm kind of similar. Ray Morgan says, can't wear a jean jacket with jeans, or I feel like Jean Man. I think that's everyone. Yes. And we're talking about Reality Bites Back. The best line ever was when Theo Vaughn's mom was on there wearing a jean jacket and jean pants. And Theo Vaughn walked out. Sal's mom goes, oh, shit. Denim on denim. (laughs) (laughs) Denim on denim has remained like the tag line of our friendship for the last like seven years. All right. Later, Hosen says, just me or everyone, when I was a kid, I thought people in the cast of certain sitcoms sang the theme song, i.e. Family Ties, Growing Pains. Oh, that's really cute. I'm trying to think if I ever thought that. I don't know. But Alan Thicke wrote the Facts of Life theme. So Really? Yeah. You know what I found out the other day? Uh, you, you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? You know Chuck Lorre who created like every hit yeah. TV show? He's the one who came up with that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage I didn't Mutant know that. Ninja Turtles. Did you know that? Yeah, dude. He wrote that. That's how oh. much that dude writes successful shit. Wow. He even came up with a great jingle about the Ninja Turtles. Nuts. Impressive. Addie says, oddly relieved when my DVR fills up and manually deletes episodes of shows six or more months old, I don't think I will ever watch. I don't know. I'm always worried that like, oh, no, did we lose that? Whatever. It's like DVR is like uh, entertainment hoarding. Yes. 
Hey. You know what else? I have like I'll have. Oh, I was on this TV show twelve months ago, and I'm still keeping this episode of that for some reason. I don't know why though, because it's been forever since I put anything on my reel, and yeah. I don't think I had this device so that you would I would hook it up to my television, and then it would go into this box, then it would go into my computer, so I could like rip stuff onto my computer. So you can get stuff off your DVR. That is possible, for sure. Oh, okay, because I have that same thing where I'm like, I record all my TV appearances too, and then I do nothing with them because I don't know what to do with them at that point. Yeah, it's it'll record, it'll like ingest whatever you play. The problem is, is that the last time I looked, there wasn't good HD solutions there. Oh, okay. So you end up recording it in kind of in standard def, which kind of sucks, but... I'm sure I'll get tweeted that there's HD. But the last time I did this was when I lived in New York. Now I couldn't even get anything to stretch from the television to my computer. (laughs) I should just get rid of them. Because at this point, I think that anything that I want, like, to record, to put on my reel, I could just get a copy of. Well, it's funny. When I did, the first TV appearance I ever made was uh, Craig Ferguson in 2007. And they gave it to me on a VHS. So I've never been able to use, like, I still have, like, a joke on there that I think is pretty good. I can't, I can't get it to not look like shit. You can't get something right. off VHS without looking terrible. It's so funny to me. Even at the time, I mean, like, really? <laughs> oh, seven. Fucking gonna send me a giant clunky thing with like a <laughs> sticker on the side that says Ferguson. Here's a hoarding question. I still have a bunch of VHS tapes. Like, what do you do with them? Yeah. Do you I have can't. a VHS player? Yes, but I don't know if it still works. You, you have one? I think I do. Why? Yeah, that's crazy. Because I have VHS tapes. I don't know. Why am I keeping any of this stuff? So when are you going to need to watch yourself in the Nutcracker on a daily basis or whatever could possibly be on that tape? <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, it was my, my first TV appearances and stuff in New York. Um, the only and thing that's a lot fun of really do, old TV movies that I recorded. Oh, yeah. See, like, that's, like when I was growing up, we had like Spies Like Us and all that on VHS. I think probably those were still my parents' house. But yeah, I mean, I think probably in that regard – the amount of time it would take you to find someone to like rip that onto right. a DVD so you could then stick that in a drawer you never watch. Right. You could, pro- just, you could probably just, let that go. Maybe not. I can't emotionally, but I probably should. But maybe you shouldn't. You're going to be a mom soon, you know, I mean, successful woman in media. I mean, your kid would probably like to see you on your first TV show. That's probably an exciting thing to see. Yeah. All right. But there's a lot of tapes that I could get rid of, like old movies and stuff. All right, definitely get rid of that shit. That's, yeah. just, that's crazy. Okay. T.C. Rodriguez says, just mirror everyone, morning farts always smell like stale McDonald's French fries that have been sitting in the car. No, I have not experienced that. I, could, I definitely can co-sign that. That's similar. I, I think that they, there is an old French fry smell. I'm not going to say McDonald's in general, but they have their own. I think because they're marinating overnight, it's a lot of, a lot of time for that to simmer. All right. Against all odds says, get grossed out when someone clips their nails in public. Those clippings fly everywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's not something I encounter on like a lot, but it doesn't sound particularly pleasant. Although I don't find toenails, like some people are really grossed out by that, like feet. Right. I don't find, I think like I have a very good healthy relationship with feet. You know what I am grossed out by? I can't watch someone, when anyone does this in a movie, or a TV show, or in real life. When someone brushes their teeth and talks to you at the same time, I'm always like, ugh. Oh, really? I don't know why. Like, just watching all that toothpaste foam around well, in let someone's me ask mouth you this. grosses me out. Okay. Well, you're, you're in a monogamous relationship and like that, so you, you, may, you may be a little out of sync with this kind of thing, but I will notice that I'll wake up with a girl. I'll, like, go down on her. She'll go down on me. We all intimate, blah, blah, blah. And then she has to use my toothbrush. I'm like, 
Fuck no. That is disgusting. There's yes. no way you're putting my delicious Sonic hair anywhere near your gross, gaping mouth. Like, it's You'll weird. actually say no, though? Yes. Because if like, I were a... See, I would never ask someone because I have the same thing where I'm like a toothbrush, toothbrush is too... I don't know. But like, I don't know why it's more intimate. I don't know why it's, it's like you're already like got all their fluids all over your fucking right. face. And then you're like, no, that's... Right. It's like... Uh, it's like uh, if you go to a strip club. I remember hearing some comic talk about this. I was like, that's so true. Like, you'll let a stripper like rub her whole body around you, but if she tries to like rub the dollar bill you took, you gave her over your face, like, oh, that's Jeremy. <laughs> it's funny. It's weird. Some people regard toothbrushes as like a hairbrush, but I, I, I don't. Meaning, like, you could borrow someone's hairbrush. Oh, like, oh, like you just yeah, see it sort no. of the same way. Really, people? I don't feel like that's really I've seen intense. People be that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. But see, I think if I were, I was going to say if I were a girl, and I am one. If try I, to imagine. <laughs> if I asked a guy that I spent the night with if I could use this toothbrush, which I would never do, but if I did, and he said no, I would feel rebuffed. Oh, I'm not saying she didn't, but I stuck to my guns on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I, you know, I've gone on vacation with my old girlfriend. She would use my toothbrush and it would, it would be as mildly annoying as when someone asks for a bite of your apple or something like that, which is another <laughs> thing. I'm like, you gotta be crazy. I'm not letting you get your gums just squished into this fruit. I hate, that's one thing. I hate seeing people eat fruit. Interesting. Can't stand it. Just, just biting, just, oh, and there's a slobber and then they put it on the table while they're talking to you and I'll, I'll just see it wilting and to see right. it becoming brown and it just is there and I really can't focus on what they're saying until it's done and then I'll sometimes pick it up and put it in the garbage because it's distracting me that what, much. What, which fruit is the... Apples. Okay. Or a banana peel. My girlfriend, would, ex-girlfriend would like eat bananas in shifts. She would eat like half of it. And, and just then, leave it sitting there? That makes me feel funny. She would put it in the, uh, in the fridge but then the oh. whole thing's brown but it's just fucking unnecessary. It's like a 13 cent fruit. Just throw <laughs> it away. Yeah. All right. B. Slammon says, when someone takes a bite of food, oh, here we go, chews for a sec, chugs a beverage, and keeps chewing before swallowing, gross. No, I've never even seen that. You haven't? People do it. I don't even know how that's biologically possible. You just have to like- Like they're eating a hamburger, take some bites, then takes a sip of Coke, and then chews a bit more. And you're like, now you're making like a weird Coke hamburger stew in your mouth. Oh, that's gross. I've seen it. Yeah, that's pretty intense. I've seen that too. It's gross. Yeah. that's No, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's that's definitely. It's also like, <clears throat> man, how how thirsty were you that you had to like? Right? Did you need it? Did you need the drink to help wash down the food or something? Yeah, like so you had to like hold the food to the side of your mouth with your tongue to kind of like squeeze a little coke down your. I mean, it's, yeah, it's how just were they weird. doing it? <laughs> that's funny. Although I think in a pinch, if I take a bite, I haven't done this in a while, but like you know when you take a bite of something that's way too hot and you're like, ah, mouth burning, mouth burning. You can spit it out, or if you have a drink nearby. And you can just douse your mouth real fast. So oh. then you are mixing food and right. a liquid. But that's not for taste. It's for relief. Man, it's funny because I've totally been in that situation recently and it never even occurred to me that I could just spit it out. It's like – it's almost like you're – You never like, do. You never you're do. It's like, like you're like, that's too late now. This is going to fucking burn my whole mouth. <laughs> <laughs> totally not. You can spit it out, but you never do. I recently burned the shit out of my mouth on – in Blythe, I think – I got coffee at 7-Eleven. Oh, that's a depressing place, huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Super depressing. And they just had the little creamer packets. They didn't have milk, so they didn't have, like, anything you could pour out of a carton. So I just put a couple of those in and then put the lid on and then forget – because I forgot 
that there's not enough liquid to have cooled the coffee off. Because if you put in milk from a carton, then you can like, especially like I use almond milk, so I'll put in enough that it'll cool it down. I took a sip and I was like, ah, but I couldn't do ah because it would, you know, I was in public. So I just like, oh, yeah, so awful. That's why I always drink iced coffee because I am so impatient, impatient that if I get regular coffee, I'll be like, okay, now I can drink it. And it's like, you can't, it's like scalding and it's just too hard to like have it around. Just Dawn says, for as many times as I type it by mistake, I wish update. Oh, excuse me. For as many times as I type it by mistake, I wish uppate. <laughs> Udpate. Took me three fucking tries. That's how much my brain is autocorrecting that word. Udpate were a real word. So he's transposing the P and the D. And yes, I wish Udpate were a real word too. What? What is the word? Update. Udpate was a real word. What would that be? Oh, uh, what would Udpate be? Yeah. What would Udpate? Udpate. It's like something a cow coughs up. <laughs> Look, it's an Udpate. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Well, could, you're just saying that because of Ud? Like Udder? <laughs> I think so, yeah. And like, yeah, I guess. It's like when a cow coughs up that day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really uncreative with my deciphering of this word. All right, fine. Let's hear what you think it should be. I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, it would be something that a cow coughs up. Uh, honestly, I thought it through, and I think you were actually well because a cow chews its cud, and it also sounds like that ud and cud. Oh, but I guess cud. you're right. I'm being kind of un- not creative here. No, but maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe it's some kind of weird simplest... shaped mole. You okay? An ud pate. So an she's got a weird ud pate, and I had to have her. Yeah, was like checked. oh, she has an ud pate. There's a hair growing out of it. You should see someone. Yeah, I guess it's something kind of gross. Is what ud pate is. It sounds gross. And finally, Julia says, hate when I sit down on something wet on the toilet seat and think, oh, God, is that pee or toilet water? And which is worse? Uh, Pee's worse. Yes, I'm with you. I hate that, too. Pee is worse, though, I think. Yeah. The other day I peed in a urinal and I felt a splash hit my face. (laughs) Oh, wow. And I was like, it was just this. Yeah, it was very unpaid. And it made me just think like, fuck, like you go through your whole life. You know, wearing condoms in theory and, uh, and doing everything trying to be safe. And then what if you just got a disease by pissing into a urinal at a movie theater and like someone's like fucking gross pee splashes you in the eyeball or something like that? What like, kind of angle has to happen for it to splash do, back? It, I don't know. I don't know. I was doing a pretty traditional U.S. American Christian angle and something went wrong. And it, so I just felt it enough, just enough to know something, something had happened there. It was pretty bizarre. You're, you're peeing from a pretty high distance. Right. Girls don't remember that. Like, Gary's really tall. Have you had this happen? Gary's probably gets doused on a daily basis. I here. haven't had this happen, but it's it's something to be concerned about. Maybe Gary's so tall that he generates more of a splash, but he's so tall that it's still not. He's farther enough away from it. Like he's what are you like six three, six five? Yeah, see that's like a, that's obsessive. I mean that's too much. I, I am <laughs> like five eleven. Me, I'm five eleven and a half, so I'm like right in that. I'm right in that crossfire. Right. You know what I mean? You can still. We call that the danger zone. That's the danger zone. Yeah. That's the update. Speaking of urine, I have it just me or everyone for probably mostly women. So um, because I'm trying to get pregnant, I there's these ovulation predictor kits, which is like these little sticks that you put in. You test your pee to see when you're going to ovulate. And um, and uh, I've talked about the difficulty before. I have difficulty peeing on a stick So because the pee just – 
it's hard to keep track of where that stream's going for some ladies for and sometimes it's weird it I haven't been able to figure out why the stream sometimes is all <laughs> willy nilly. I think if I've been sitting down for a while, I always I don't forget know. that you guys pee out of those things. We do. Yeah, and it's it like a whole it's, other use that I rarely like, get to see. Sometimes it's a broken sprinkler. It's so weird. But anyway, this the little sticks that I bought last time have like the kind of cup that actually a restaurant would give you with if you ask for a side of ketchup or something. If they're not going to give you a little bottle, <laughs> it comes like a little cup. It's so little. It's like a little condiment cup. And at first, I thought, really, there's no way I'm not peeing all over my hand if I try to pee into this. But so I've the gotten... kind of when you get like ketchup in and out, yeah, and you have to fill it up yourself, kind of shit. Yes. Well, yeah, but it's it's plastic. Okay. But I imagine that's like one of those little paper ones at In and Out. I don't know. It's definitely a condiment cup. It okay. definitely is. But anyway, I've gotten pretty good at peeing into it. So anyway, when I do it, I pee into it, and then I sit there and put the stick in it. And so then I have this. You know, thing of urine that I'm going to dispose of, and every time I almost pour it into the sink, and then I I know I pour it into the toilet. But every time I have this thought, what if I accidentally treated it like a shot and just down the hatch? Right, which you can every single do. time I have, and I, but I never would. Because how often am I, like, shooting something in the bathroom? But every single... <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know your marriage. Right. Uh, but I hope you not get what I'm saying. But every single time, it's just, that's just, just me, everyone. Every time I had this thought, what if I accidentally drank this? Well, I, know, I think I, it's, you know, some people, uh, I always feel this when I'm on a high building or a bridge. I'm like, what if I just get this compulsive to jump yes, off? Yes, totally. And I think it, people do have that. Like, that's why people draw the Golden Gate Bridge. But it's that same kind of thing. Like, you yeah, think those... Because I always think something biological would stop you before you actually do it. So I think the people that do it actually wanted to do it. I think that even if you wanted to, your body would stop you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But I do know, I do know that, like, what if? Right, what if I just turned the wheel yeah. suddenly? Yeah, it's like you could always do these fucking things, you right. know? One thing uh, used to be one of the worst things that would happen to me in high school is at parties, since I grew up like a rednecky guy in town, guys would always be chewing tobacco and spitting the chew into Coke cans. And every now and then you had a party would accidentally uh, drink someone's uh, fucking chew spit. And it was just like They're the unpaid. worst. That's it unpaid. was so goddamn unpaid. You've had it? Yeah. Like that happened multiple times to me. It's just like you're like, oh, God, that guy called me a Jew at the Christmas dance. I just drank his chew spit. To me, the worst part of that is the but I imagine would be the consistency. It's not good. It's not good. Ugh. It's bad. Well, on that great note, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you. Everyone should go watch Barmageddon. It's on True TV. It's on Wednesday nights. And we didn't really talk about it um, enough. But the show is uh, two bar owners and they switch places. It's like wife swap with bars. So um, the episode that we got. Uh, this week is uh, it's in Chicago and this woman who runs this like really uh, you know uh, small town kind of like family style bar in the suburbs of Chicago has to go run this like crazy sexed out piano bar called the Zebra Lounge and the guy who runs like this kind of just crazy brothel type vibe Zebra Lounge to go run like this family Chicago establishment and we give them a week to see if they can create more business at the other person's spot and then I just go back and forth getting drunk or whatever Pretty awesome job. Well, that sounds awesome. And they can follow you on Twitter. At Mo Mandel. Yeah. And anywhere else they should go. Uh, yeah, like like my uh, Mo Mandel Facebook uh, thing. And then, I'm, oh, I'm starting this Barmageddon comedy tour um, that I'm going to be all over the country uh, in the next three months. So if you go to MoMandel.com in the show section, you can uh, 
see where those dates will be. Well, there you go. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, let's say you hate running errands like Mo Mandel, buy, buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website at allisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It does help out the show. We have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Get that by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. It makes a wonderful gift. And we have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. The first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. The next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and much of the Thursday gang. Those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. Kalen. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about him. Thank you again. For <laughs> Thank you, Thank you guys for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen show. Now that the show's over, don't forget to go to naturebox.com and sign up to get your free sampler box of great-tasting, healthy snacks. Forget the vending machine and start snacking smarter with delicious treats like barbecue kettle kernels. Go to naturebox.com slash allison. That's naturebox.com slash allison.